From the moment I hit puberty, I was plagued by sleepless nights filled with a crushing sense of panic. My mind would race, frantically plotting out every detail of my life. I had to retire by 60, reach the pinnacle of my career by 40, get married, have two kids, and all before the dreaded health risks that come with age that would slow me down. And so I planned, obsessively charting out my life backwards to ensure I could achieve everything. But now, I'm beginning to wonder if all this striving, all this endless effort to control every aspect of my life is worth it. Could surrendering control be the key to true abundance? Welcome to Self-Help Junkie, the podcast where we explore the world of personal development through the eyes of book enthusiasts. I'm your host, Erica Ng, a communication coach and your resident bookworm. This season, we'll be focused on developing romantic skills, but before we dive into the conversation with our guest, let's get a one-minute summary of the book. It's Not Your Money by Tasha Silver is a book that explores the concept of surrendering control over money and allowing the divine to guide one's financial decisions. In fact, allow the divine to take control of everything. No more my money, my time, my fears, my anything. All these things are transient. The more you grip onto control, the less you'll have. The book challenges readers to examine their beliefs around money and to identify and release any limiting thoughts or behaviors that may be blocking the flow of abundance in their lives. To help you get that flow going, Silver offers practical tools and practices to cultivate a more abundant and joyful relationship with money. Over the course of eight weeks, you fully immerse in each chapter's themes to build the mindset and habits for long-term happiness. Get ready to trust the universe and surrender to its guidance rather than trying to control or manipulate outcomes. And with that, let's get to our guest. Bex Beltran is a resistance coach, podcaster, artist, and personal development enthusiast. She was a huge fan of this book, so she started her own online book club, a certified self-help junkie. Welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Excellent. So just so that people get to know you a little bit better, what drew you to this book, It's Not Your Money? Oh, yes. And I will say I had heard about the book first and I was a little bit turned off by the title because I was like, oh, I don't really have money blocks. I'm not really interested in a book about money, you know, Um, but what drew me to it was I previous to reading this one, I read The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer and it just opened my eyes and my you know awareness and my interest into the topic of learning how to surrender, but I couldn't really connect with um, the advice given by Michael Singer because he was like this hippie living in Florida in the seventies. And I was like, what am I supposed to do with that? You know, <laughs> like I want something that I can do, like, just tell me what to do. So I was kind of on this like a quest and um, that's when I got like a second glimpse or a second nudge to look at Tosha Silver's it's not your money and everything just clicked into place. Interesting. So the book that you'd read previously was speaking too much in generals and you were looking for specific practices that you could integrate into your life. Yes. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. So with that, you said that you had some resistance to surrendering. Um, Can you dive a little bit deeper into that? Like, where do you think it came from and what was the process like letting go yeah, I, I don't think I ha- so much. I I don't know that it was a resistance to surrendering or maybe it was because it was like my resistance was manifesting as I don't know how I can't because I don't know. Right. And so I guess my own block there was saying, like, I want this. I see it. 
I hear about it. I believe in the benefits, but how do I get this for myself or how do I like, what steps do I take? So yeah, you're right. Maybe that was kind of like a form of resistance. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so what was the question again? I'm sorry, I forgot. No worries. Yeah. I mean, just off of what you were saying there, I think that's so true about anything that you're learning to do. If you don't have the words to articulate it, it's hard to then put it into practice. So the Mm -hmm. original question was, where did you find resistance to surrendering? And what was that Mm -hmm. process like for you? Was it... Did it feel good immediately or was there a lot of obstacle to overcome? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I did feel like this frustration of like when you're looking for something and you want something, but you don't know how to get it or where to get it or what, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I was kind of like, but what's my resource? Like, who's going to teach me? Because I believed in the concept of surrender. I I wanted it for myself. I needed it in that moment of my life so much. And um, so I was just like, okay, but like, what do I do? (laughs) And then when I was able to take a second look at the book and decided to listen to it and read it. um, And I think uh, going back a step, I think what drew me to it was she has a prior book called Outrageous Openness, Mm -hmm. which in the title right there, you're like, oh, openness. Okay. You know, like, yeah, that's about surrender and being open. Um, And that book is not really a how-to at all, you know, so it was kind of getting me closer, but it wasn't giving me what I wanted. And I just thought, how can I just get this, you know, recipe for learning how to let go or learning how to surrender? And that's what it's not your money is. And Mm. it's so ironic that it has the title money, you know, in the title, because you can just replace money with anything else. Yeah. It's not your relationship. It's not your career. It's not your creativity. It's not your profession, whatever, you know, whatever we are having that resistance to, or that struggle with, if we just put that in the title Mm. and we, oh, it's not mine. It's not mine to control. It's not mine to direct. That's when we can learn to surrender. Yeah. And yeah, I was surprised by that because the title is It's Not Your Money. I was expecting it to be a lot more money focused, but really it's a book about surrender. And like you said, it could be replaced with any word there. Um, Mm. You said earlier that you really needed to learn how to surrender. Um, What was going on in your life at that moment that you really felt like you needed this? Oh, yeah. I was in so much suffering and pain. I had um, recently had like a life transition that I wasn't on board with. And Mm -hmm. I had recently lost someone. So I was grieving. And um, so I just was kind of like in this funk, you know, Mm -hmm. and I just thought, okay, so obviously the answer here is not to control because I can't control, you know, so how, how can I surrender? And I just really needed some lifeline to pull me out of that kind of darker, deeper space that I was in. Um, And that's why I was able to, you know, read the first book and then read the second book and then reconsider this book and finally get into this book. And when I, when I read this book immediately, it clicked for me and I felt so like given what I needed, you know, and I just wanted to talk to other people about it. And (laughs) and I was just like, who else has read this book? Who can I get to read this book with me? And I was talking to everyone I knew about it. And I talked about it on my podcast. And um, luckily, um, and I don't know if you want to get into it yet, but that's when I started a study group so that Mm. I could gather together different people who were interested in this topic in this book. And we could go week by week and talk about it together. And that was like, 
the most perfect aligned action right. that I could have taken. Yeah. And was this like a remote book club or were you able to find people in your physical vicinity? Yeah, it was remote. So in my mind, I thought if I could just get like four people who yeah. would want to just talk once a week about a chapter a week, I would feel like, okay, this is good. This is a little right. community. I get uh, other perspectives. It's good reinforcement for me. And, um, but I was like, that's a tall order to get four people, you know, to commit so to I, something weekly. Right. <laughs> right. And I thought, well, I, I think I can, I think it can at least get four probably, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I just plastered my little announcement for it everywhere I could think of online mm-hmm. in all sorts of different groups and communities that I'm in and apps. And I just really had to like, just take action as I was going instead of thinking, okay, what would be best? What would people like? Right. What day would people like? So I really just told myself, just, just do it. Just put it together and just let's see what happens. So you and were I, already so I, surrendering there. Of yes, being like, just yes. do, don't think too mm-hmm. much about it. Don't try to control it. Don't direct how it needs to be. And um, yeah. And so I just like plastered it all over and I thought, how can I get all these people in place so that we can kind of talk about what's the best platform and what's the best time in the day and how do you want to do it? And um, so I just created a little Facebook group. So anytime anyone said, oh, I'm interested or I might be able to join, I just directed them to the Facebook group. And by the end of like the first week or week and a half, we had a hundred people in the group. Whoa. I know. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. And so I, I mean, there's no way to make one schedule work for a hundred people all over the world. I mean, we, you know, and so I just had to just make a decision and trust that it would work out. And so I said, okay, we're going to do it on this day at this time on zoom Let's mm-hmm. see, you know, and hopefully, again, I just wanted to get at least four people. And I think the first night we had like 17 or 18 people join the call. And then yes. throughout the remaining seven weeks, you know, it fluctuated. But I would say around 10 to 12 people on average came. That's, yeah. that's perfect. Like it was really nice. I could imagine like 100 people showing up being a bit overwhelming. No one can say a word because right. there's just not enough and, time. Yes. And that's how it was. The first, I was a little overwhelmed. I thought, and even I got some comments like, Hey, you know, not everyone really got a chance to share or speak, which I Mm -hmm. recognize too. And I think that's just natural. People are going to check it out, see if it's for them. Maybe the first night worked, but the rest of the times didn't work. Who knows? You know, but I I think it just worked out really nicely. That's really cool. So then you got to see other people on their journeys of surrendering as well. Right. Um, so were there any like common obstacles that people went through and were there any things that helped them surrender more? Um, the common obstacles, I don't know if I could speak Uh for like the people in the group and I will say this might be a turnoff for people who pick up the book, Mm -hmm. but if you can overcome it, then you can overcome it. You know, um, she uses a lot of language that I don't resonate with, nor do I understand, nor can I pronounce, you know, mm-hmm. but she always describes it or are um, you, de- defines it. Are you referring to like, I think it's like the Hindu. Yes. Like words. Or yeah. Maybe Sanskrit or like right, right, right. The Prabhda Karma, Karma or the, I, I can't even, I don't even want to say it because <laughs> I don't, I know I won't do it right. justice. So if someone reads that and they're like, what is all this? I can't mm-hmm. understand this, you know, 
like let your eyes skip over that or if you're listening let your ears just skip over and look for the definition in the words that you understand right like if you're not super into that type of language or that type of vibe it's okay you can just say it in everyday language yeah in the intro she goes over like she says like i'm going to use the word god but it doesn't necessarily have to mean that thing whatever you need to accept whatever that divine power is, use whatever it works for you. And and I appreciate yeah. that. I've read other books where I get surprised when they throw in a spiritual word or the word God and yes. I get taken aback, but this, she gave yes. us plenty of warning. Yeah. So much leeway. And so that was really like a great license for us as a group, as we were discussing it every week, because we certainly had different belief systems, mm. you know, in the group and different people who had different thoughts about what, they wanted to use or say. And one thing that we did individually and as a group, one of the steps that she provides, which mm-hmm. I did during that practice, was to every day to recite a verse. And some people can call it a prayer. She calls it a prayer. I call it a poem. Um, and it's called the full abundance change me mm-hmm. prayer or mm-hmm. poem. I remember highlighting that as I was reading through as well. It's really beautiful. And so I decided, you know, she said, step one, say this to yourself every day. And um, so then every week on our call, we would talk about it. And, you know, sometimes we would say it or maybe have one person read it so the rest of us could hear it, which is always so lovely to hear it in someone else's voice Mm. with someone else's intonation, right? And we all as a group decided that we wanted to personalize it. We would talk about it and we would say, you know, this, I I like it, I like it. And then I get to this line and it just kind of like doesn't feel right when I get to that line. And so we're like, oh, just drop that line, (laughs) you know, or just switch it from this to that. Or, you know what really is missing from this? We need to add this line. And so we really like concocted our own as we went. It was really interesting to see that. Yeah. So did you like keep, I don't know, the changes that you guys made and like tracked how it changed over the course of weeks. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I actually like have a track changes document. <laughs> um, but I did, I kept a little journal as I was going through it because I felt like um, my, my role as kind of like the gatherer and the facilitator. Plus I believe the best way to learn something is to teach it. Mm -hmm. So I would like come up with a little agenda for each call and like come up with like some discussion questions and things so that, you know, we could spend our time together. And I did, I was looking over that notebook today in preparation and I did find a little note that said like, Oh, on the full abundance, change me, switch this to that, you know? Mm. (laughs) So um, I can't of course find it right now, but yeah, we, I know that we kind of talked about those kind of little changes or people, you know, what, what did you substitute? Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to try that now, or I'm going to add that line at the end. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. This season of the podcast is based on romantic love and I can understand a little bit with the mindset of abundance and surrendering when it comes to things like money. I feel like one of the biggest problems in romantic relationships right now is abundance. How can you apply this type of mindset to dating and to being in a relationship? Yes, I think it fits perfectly. Mm -hmm. And I want to say that some people in our group did talk about, oh, I got, you know, a promotion or I got 
money came to me that I didn't expect. Mm -hmm. But some of us were talking like my big abundance breakthrough during that time was creativity. It was like just gushing out of me. Right. Like, so I was like, just shocked at how much abundance and creativity I had. So for create uh, abundance in dating, um, what I think a lot of what I hear from people who are in a dating situation is they have a feeling of a scarcity about men mm-hmm. or partners. Mm-hmm. Like they're there. I can't find them. They aren't out there. And I don't want to do these things that I, they say you have to do like online dating right. or meeting strangers or whatever, you know? And so there's all these blocks, right? Or scarcity feelings or saying no to things. And in the book, she really gives you steps like make way, clear things out, cut emotional cords, say yes. Right. For um, sure. Yeah. And so I think if you use whatever it is that you want to find abundance in, for example, dating or love or partnership. And you just plug that in anywhere in the book mm-hmm. where she talks about anything else, like when she yeah. talks about money or when she talks about a career or travel or whatever, I really think you can make it work for you. And yeah, like the way that you were talking about it, that scarcity mindset. Yes, there are thousands of people in your area on whatever dating app, but at the same time, because especially women feel like there aren't enough good men out there, they may lower their standards or put up a front or put up with things that doesn't actually work for their lives. And if you have that scarcity mindset, you're going to keep doing those habits and that will actually prevent you from finding someone that is going to make you happy and feel, make you feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And just the idea that someone would lower her standards or do something that's like against what she really wants to do mm-hmm. or feels like, you know, is aligning for her. That's like her manipulating or changing something to kind of to, to control the outcome. Right. And the book is the practice of releasing control and just offering up like maybe it's the idea of saying, I know I'm worthy of love. Mm-hmm. I know partnership is available. I bet it is available for me, or I assume it could be, or I, mm-hmm. it, it might be if that's the plan <laughs> or if that's what's going to happen, right. you know, uh, but I don't, I don't have to know how or who or when or why I'm just going to be ready and open and available. And maybe I will do online dating or maybe I'll just live my life. And you know, who knows? Like I'm not trying to control it. Right. right. Yeah. So I it, think that's kind of the lesson. Right. It seems like such a simple solution that I have some resistance to it. I'm like, it it can't be that easy to just accept and like release control. I think because our society is so built on, um, putting in effort, like I think it's changing now, but for so long, if you want to get something like you have to work 80 hours a week, people are proud of how little they sleep. So to Mm. release feels so contradictory. Yeah, yeah. it really does. And, but it is also like so freeing and liberating and Mm -hmm. such a relief. That's one of the phrases that she uses a lot in the book. It's, you know, such a relief because when you're like, I got to find someone, I've got to be in the right place. I've got to be on the right app. I've got to show up the way so that I got to find someone. And it's almost going to be too late because I'm this old or Mm -hmm. people around me are all that's, that's so grippy. You know, it's so 
grasping and gripping and attached. It's so much like trying to control the uncontrollable. So as soon as you're like, you know, it's not my relationship. It's not my partnership. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, let's just see what happens. Right. I trust. I I know I'm okay. I know I'm okay. Either way. I really am. As soon as you can get to that spot, Oh, you you know, you just feel the relief in your body and you just feel the relaxation of all this tension and stress. Yeah. And I I think that's where I see the most benefits of this book is letting go of shame, of embarrassment. Um, I personally have always been a very controlling person. I love efficiency. So Mm. even something as simple as washing the dishes, I have a system. And when I see my boyfriend doing it in a less efficient way, I'm like, doing it wrong, even though like the dishes will be clean at the end of the day. (laughs) Mm, Um, So I do think that mindset can really help someone who has troubles stemming from control. Um, Mm. uh, My other side is also thinking like, this is a great mindset to have when like the economy is booming, everything is flowing in the right direction because of like technological innovations that other people have put work into. So yeah, like in that situation, yeah, it's easy to be like, everything will come to us. But Mm -hmm. especially now with like layoffs happening and just the economy not doing as well, I wonder if this type of mindset could make someone more susceptible to scams to be taken advantage of um, because they're not as skeptical anymore. They're just like, if it's coming to me, then Mm. maybe that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, what would you say to that? Yeah, to, to the skeptical rem- side of my yeah. brain. <laughs> I know she she did say something about like what if there are strings attached, which is mm-hmm. not exactly the same thing as being scammed, but we could kind of put it in the same family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she said, I don't remember exactly because it's been a couple of years now that I read the book, yeah. but she did like acknowledge, like, yeah, if you know, if you worry about strings, then ask to be shown if there is a catch. Mm. So if you worry about, oh, am I being scammed right now? Mm -hmm. You can just ask, like, again, offer up like, okay, this might be a scam. Can I, what can I be on the lookout lookout for? for. What can I be aware of? What can I lean into in my feelings and notice, you know, what nudges and just kind of like not trying to, I got to find out if it's a scam. I got to be, you know, you just hear the difference in the tone and the pace even, you know, like I trust that if I get scammed, I will also be made whole. Mm -hmm. And I trust that if someone is trying to manipulate me, I will get a nudge that will lead me in the right direction instead of in the wrong direction. If the anxiety falls away, you're probably more able to see in your peripherals as mm-hmm. well and see something that maybe you would have glimpsed over otherwise. So much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess that could also be something when people talk about red flags, if you're mm-hmm. more open to it, you might be able to see those more clearly. Getting into the different exercises, were there any that stood out to you that uh, either for yourself or for your book club that really worked for you guys or like stood out to you? Yes, I really liked um, the, which was the biggest surprise, probably the daily rent, you know, 
recitation mm. recitation of the full <laughs> abundance change me poem because it seems like oh you know it's you're just gonna read this poem to yourself every day and it's gonna change everything right yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> it's how you talk to yourself right yeah it gets into your subconscious and different little phrases would pop up at different times so yeah I really like that and even just getting so steeped in her work a lot of her phrases would pop to mind like I remember I was going to pick up something from someone and it was like a tight schedule and then right as we were going to the meeting place she texted and she said oh I forgot part of it at home I need to circle back and I'll be back and I'm very sorry and this is you know and it was like oh we're on this tight schedule and I just thought all delays are beneficial Right. That's one of Tosha's things. All delays right. are beneficial. Like, it's not my business. Like, if this meeting happens at exactly the time we had thought it would happen, like, it's not my business how the rest of the day unfolds. Mm. All delays are beneficial. It's not, I'm not to control it, you know? And as soon as I heard that, and I even texted it, because she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Now we're going to push you back. And I said, hey, all delays are beneficial. Please take your time and be safe, you know? Right. And it let me feel relaxed. It let her, I hope, feel relaxed. And it's just like, oh, good, you know? Like, I trust that the rest of the day will work out, even right. with this being shifted later. So, um, yeah, that's how I liked having that daily um, ritual of saying that. So it sounds like you've become very Zen. Have the people around you noticed and how was their reaction to this change? Um, I don't think anyone has pointed out to me uh, like, oh, Bex, you're so different from three years ago or five right. years ago, you know, but, but I definitely am not just mm-hmm. because of this book, but because of all the work that I'm doing. But um, I do think it's, easy for me to see when other people are kind of being clingy or graspy. Mm. And that is a really good tip. I think if we can't see it in ourselves first, we can maybe notice it in other people while we're Mm -hmm. practicing this, not to point it out to them, but just to kind of like get that awareness. So we're like, oh, that's what that looks like. Okay. I see that. (laughs) Maybe I'll see it in myself now. Right. It's kind of easier to see it on the other person first. So I have had people kind of like around me in my life, like, you know, getting all worked up about something. And if I'm a little bit more calm, I have heard comments like, oh, you're, you seem to be so calm or things don't bug you, you know, which I appreciate and I want it. Yeah. It, that's no. such a compliment, right? If someone's like, oh, you're so calm. You're like, it wasn't always like this. Like I right. put in and the it, work. <laughs> and it's still not always like this. It's very easy to talk to you about it here on a lovely <laughs> day, you know, and everything's wonderful right now. But I definitely still find pockets of stress and gripping and grasping and wanting mm. and trying to control and I do think that I'm better now than I ever was before. And I think that the more that I dive into this again, the more that I revisit it, uh, mm-hmm. the the more it will be more ingrained in me right. that it'll come more naturally. Right. Yeah. I think it's, it's always interesting when I go read a self-help book that I loved and I reread it, there are things that I've forgotten were in the book but have mm-hmm. completely integrated. And then other things where I was like, did I read this book last time? Cause I don't remember reading this bit. Yes, exactly. Some of the other techniques that stood out to me, one of which I feel like I'd already been doing and another one that I have not done, but may start integrating. The one that I have had something similar to was 
talking to your inner child, mm-hmm. um, and specifically asking how old you feel in that moment. Um, I came across this because I watched this YouTuber named Anna Kana, and she shares little tidbits that she learns from her therapy sessions. And, um, one of the techniques is to, when you're feeling upset or when you're feeling out of control, ask yourself how old you feel. So often when I'm uh, in an argument and I'm getting upset, I tend to feel like a 13-year-old again, mm. where I feel like I have something important to say, but I'm not at an age where my parents or adults around me take me seriously. And I have to remind myself, like, no, you're a 32-year-old woman now. Yes. You are an adult, and it doesn't matter what the other person thinks. You're okay. <laughs> yes, that's a good reminder. Yeah. And that I think in the same chapter, or maybe the very next chapter, she also talked about cutting emotional cords, mm. you know, so noticing like, what are, what is, what are you connected to or what are you kind of tied to? And you can mm. like do a ceremonial cord cutting if you, if you're into that kind of ritual or ceremony or anything. Um, she has a lot of those types of um, right. suggestions, like very ceremonial or ritualistic. Um, and, you can kind of dial it down a little bit if that's not your thing, or you can right. so lean into it and make it as much as you want. Um, so yeah, one of those was uh, creating an offer box. That was the other one I wanted to okay. talk about. Please yeah, explain talk about it. it. Oh, well, yeah. So, um, you know, you make a little or design or I don't know, it doesn't have to be any, it can be as much or as little as you want, but you have a specific little container like a box or maybe a sack or a bag or something. And then whenever you have something that you find yourself grasping and you want to give up control of it and you want to offer it up and know, like, I just trust that the the solution will come or I trust that I'll be provided what I need or whatever it is. You just write it on a little slip of paper and you put it in there and you close it. And then that's like ceremoniously like saying, it's not mine. I I give it up. I let it go. I trust that it'll be solved. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really, it stood out to me because first it's called the God box. So immediately I was like, what is this? Like, what is she trying yes. to push here? But as I read through it, I, I like the physicality of it. And I think mm-hmm. through every one of her exercises, she kind of taps into different things, whether it be like smashing a coconut or something yes. like this. It's very physical where I think most self-help is done internally and sometimes having that physical action can help put you in a different mindset. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So is that mm-hmm. one that you personally did? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and a lot of the women in our group did it. And then we like brought it to the call and we showed each other Cute. what our boxes look like or how we designed it or why we chose that or whatever. Right. Um, and so I still have it nearby here. I, I was going to ask, anything. like, yeah, what does your see. box look like? Um right here oh cute i just used like some scrapbook paper to put on it and then um okay so this is the first time i'm opening it in like a a year probably um i won't read them out but (laughs) yeah it's kind of interesting well this one i had i was like stressing over what i wanted to get a friend as a gift Mm. and so i just said oh i'll just put it in the box and then i won't stress about it anymore and i don't even remember what i got her now but it was, it obviously worked out just fine, you know, like, 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. I enjoyed listening to it oh. because um, if I had read it with my eyes, I probably would have felt a little bit more resistance to all the vocabulary and words that I couldn't pronounce. Mm-hmm. But hearing it in her voice, which is always my number one choices to have the author read the book. Right. You can hear her intonation and her pronunciation. So yeah, I would say if you're an aud- audio person, if you're listening to a podcast, you probably are. Please <laughs> give it a try on audio. But then I have the paper copy too, because then I wanted to go back and reread and highlight and underline. Notes, and yeah. Put all sorts of little sticky notes, you know, in where I wanted right. to go back to. So yeah. Oh, and I will say also, um, I told everyone about it. I insisted everyone I know read it, you know, made sure everyone had a copy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, two people who are very close to me, you know, gave it a try. And they both came back and they said, not for me, not my Mm. style. And I was like, no problem not a problem at all, you know? Um, And then other people have really taken to it and loved it and appreciated it. So I would say at least give it a try. You kind of said who you would recommend this book for. Who would you not recommend this book to? Um, I think if you are pretty stubborn and proud about your insistence on nothing metaphysical, nothing supernatural, right? <laughs> nothing, you know, out there, a little woo-woo, this is going to be a hard read for you yeah. or a hard listen for you. But if you know that it has a really good message under all that layering and you can just sift through it, still give it. I mean, if you're the kind of person who is very analytical and very mm-hmm. concrete and you're thinking, I don't want to hear about the woo and the metaphysical and the supernatural, but I know you're smart enough to sift through the layers. So I would say right. still listen or still read, but just glide over or skip over those parts. She gives a right. lot of personal stories, which are just kind of entertaining and interesting. She's a very good storyteller. So you get to hear about people chasing animals and rugs and travels and all sorts of really out there situations. The coconuts, like you mentioned. So <laughs> yeah. I would say still read it, but kind of just with one eye closed (laughs) yeah that kind of stuff yeah yeah and I'm that very skeptical logical person and Mm -hmm. I think I could sift through the layers because I have some understanding of psychology so when she would link it to something that was very spiritual I was like okay this is like the psychological thing that's happening in your brain and that made it easier for me to be like okay I may not agree with the way that she's presenting this but the exercises is still doing exactly what you want it to do. Um, Absolutely. And I appreciate how upfront she is um, yeah. about that. Yeah. So yes. yeah, I would recommend this book to people who are very controlling. So me mm-hmm. like yesterday. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that it is an interesting practice and, I would have recommended this book to myself when I was working my corporate job and I was very unhappy and I wanted to control everything. And it was still, I still felt out of control. Um, I think this would have been really helpful in those moments. Yeah, totally. Yes. I, I agree with you. If I had gone back to my old corporate days and somebody would have said, it's not your spread spreadsheet. It's not your project. It's yeah. not your deadline. Like, 
I would have like resisted, like, what are you oh, talking about? Of sure. course it is. It's on my performance <laughs> review. Like, what are you talking about? This is my title, my job title. But if I understood what she was saying mm-hmm. and I could like incorporate that, oh, I would have been so much more relaxed than yeah. I was all those, yeah. all those stressful times. Yeah. So we're at the end of the episode today, but thank you so much for being on here. Yes, it's my pleasure. I love, I definitely think the way that I can make the world a better place mm-hmm. is by sharing things that make people better, you know? Mm-hmm. And so if someone feels inspired because they heard us talking about this book and they go and feel more relieved or relaxed or open that makes the world a better place. And I'm all in for that. Yes. For sure. And if people are looking for you, where can they find you? Yeah. My website is my name, which is B-E-X. So Bex. Then my last initial B, bexb.org, O-R-G, because I love to organize things. So it's really, (laughs) what is that? Seven letters or something, bexb.org. And um, when you go there, you can see all the different things so that you can see my podcast, you can see my journal and notebook shop, my art, you can see everything that I do there. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being on here. And I hope that we keep in touch in the future. I hope so too. Thank you so much for inviting me. You made it to the end. I hope you learned something about letting go. It really helped me out if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, but the most important thing you can do is keep listening. If you have thoughts or tips you'd like to share, please do at Pod on Instagram, Twitter, or Gmail. See you guys next time.